Locked On Nuggets Podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from DenverStiffs.com, Adam Mates. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets Podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Mates from DenverStiffs.com, the largest Denver Nuggets blog and community on the web. Check us out. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're going to have a lot of stuff on the, on the YouTube channel and Instagram channel coming up with the draft. Um, next week is a fun and exciting week. Even though the Nuggets don't have a pick, I think there's something, you know, there's there's chances that they could get a pick. I, I actually think that's more likely probably than has been let on. But um, today's episode of the show, a special weekend summit edition of the Big Stiff Summit. And I'm joined, of course, by the other Big Stiff, Andy Feinstein. Andy, what's happening? Hey, man. Adam, good to be with you uh, one day after an exhilarating and thrilling NBA Finals, crowning the Toronto Raptors as champions. Great to be with you. That was a great game. Where, where were you watching it? Were you watching it at home? I was at home last night, but I was very fortunate to watch Game 1 in Toronto, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But I was just on the couch, so I could listen to everything the broadcasters <laughs> were saying and watched all the replays and, and really got into it. And uh, you would think, um, you know, I have a special affiliation, certainly, for uh, with, with Masai Ujiri and an affection for... The Toronto Raptors, or really any team he goes to, but I felt like uh, that was the closest I'm going to get to uh, being <laughs> deeply invested in an NBA Finals as a Nuggets fan. Uh, man, you don't don't bury the lead already. Don't, <laughs> don't bring us down. We Sorry. Have to, this is the, like the time of year to be extremely optimistic, so we're going to keep that. We're and keep I that. am optimistic, but you know, as a Nuggets fan, optimism comes with uh, you know, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's just talk about that game because that was sports provide every emotion and like we felt them all in that, I thought in that one game in that series, but especially in that game, because it was intense, there was pressure. I always say, I don't know who I'm rooting for until it actually happens. Hmm. And I was surprised. I was, I was kind of pulling for Golden State last night really? and I don't have a reason to be. Yeah. I'm, as you know, I was pro warriors yeah. pre Durant. Yeah. Um, even though they beat us in 2013, I loved how the warriors built that team. I love that they got Steph Curry with the seventh pick in the draft. Uh, they whiffed the next year. They drafted, uh, what was his name? Uh, Ikpe Udo or something. Um, I think they got one in every, did they get Draymond the next year? No, later? no, no. They whiffed in between okay. and then okay, so they, they got Curry. They whiffed the next draft. Then the next draft, two years after Curry, they got Clay Thompson and Draymond in the same draft. So at 11 and I think yeah, 35. They made up for it. Okay. And so I love the fact that the Warriors, it was a model for the Nuggets to emulate. And frankly, yeah. they have, if yeah. you think about it, where, you know what? We're not going to make excuses. Just because we don't have the first pick in the draft or the second pick in the draft, it doesn't mean we can't build a successful organization. So I loved that Warriors. I love the 73 win Warriors. But then they get Kevin Durant. He gravy trains on their championship parade. I love the phrase gravy train. Um, it's one of your best yeah. phrases. <laughs> I'm not sure I invented it, but 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 then they went they, they clobber the, the uh, Cavaliers in two forgettable NBA finals. I have to listen to all the announcers say, Oh, Kevin Durant is a true champion. He finally he finally showed that he could do this. Like, right. well, yeah, maybe it's because they had to guard Steph Curry and Clay Thompson right. and Durant was open all the time. Do you guys ever think about that? The inverse of that is that Steph Curry is the only guy that can score on the team over the last like quarter and a half of the game, and of course they do the the middle school defense box and one oh, on right. him, and he doesn't score, and everybody's like, "Well, what happened? 
How come he did? What do you mean? He's on the court with Quinn Cook and yeah. Jonas Jarebko. Well, we'll get to that. But 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 here's my point about the Warriors. So I, I love the Warriors. Then, as you all you, you know, I hated the Warriors. Like, yeah. It really turned me off from the NBA. How much I hated the Warriors. And along the way, you know, Kawhi Leonard gets hurt um, in the conference finals against the Warriors a couple of years ago. Chris Paul gets hurt against the Warriors in, in the uh, conference finals last year. Uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love are yeah. hurt against the Warriors the first time they go to the finals. So um, I never root for anyone to be hurt. I, I wanted Durant to play every game. I wanted Clay Thompson to play every game because I wanted the Raptors to beat him fair and square. But I don't feel – I feel bad for Durant and I feel bad for Thompson, but I don't feel bad for Warriors fans. They've, yeah. had, they've had five years, and you and I both know this, they're bandwagoners. Like you've Aren't got, they? you've got. Well, it's hold on, hold on. You've got know. these diehard Warriors fans okay. who are the old school Roracle crowd. And there's a lot of them who are the diehard Roracle crowd, and give them credit. They're no different. I mean, those are the guys that suffered through one playoff appearance in 18 years. That's a long time. Okay, and those are diehard, diehard Roracle fans, and much respect to them. But you know, as a longtime Nuggets fan, you never saw a Warriors fan in our building. Until the last five years, all right, of a sudden, yeah. there's all these Warriors fans. So right. there's a bandwagon element there, and so I'm. Uh, anyway, I'm just thrilled for the Raptors because it, you know the Warriors have had their turn, and now it's time for the dawn of a new era. And uh, although I want to talk about, will this Raptors sustain, or will this be an anomaly championship like the 2011 Mavericks and the 2006 Heat? where it's not really part of a dynasty. It's more of an aberration. So I want to talk about that, too. Well, let's talk about it, because I like this Raptors team a lot. I think the job Masai Ujiri did building this team is, uh, it's kind of an all-timer. I It was funny. I ran in, and I knew I was going to meet Masai two years ago at Sloan, and I was thinking about what I would say to him if, if I got to sit and chat hoops. And I didn't get to, unfortunately. He was, he was swamped. I only got him for like a minute. But I kept thinking in my head what I would tell him, and I was... I was like, you know, I would probably just be honest and tell them I don't think this Raptors team's going anywhere. That was my honest assessment of it. Lo and behold, I think 9 out of 10 general managers, organizations, and fan bases would have seen where they were two years ago. Not even last year, but two years ago and just said, you know, this isn't it. you got to go another direction. He saw that a few big tweaks, but tweaks nonetheless, and you're not just a contender but a champion. And so... I'm, I'm just so impressed with this Raptors team and how they came together and, and the fact that they were able to build this. Oh, it's, it's uh, I mean, obviously I'm very biased. I'm, I'm friends with Masai Ujiri. Um, I've uh, had the pleasure of getting to know him over the years and traveling to Africa with him, and I help him out on, on some of his charitable endeavors uh, in Africa. And uh, he, he didn't go, to your point, he didn't go the route of uh, – like the recent uh, Indiana Pacers when they were racking up 50 wins every year but then would flame out, or the Hawks, you know, the Paul Millsap, uh, Atlanta Hawks teams that would routinely win 50, 60 games only to flame out uh, when it really came down to it. Um, I mean, even really like the George Carl Nuggets for all those years that were like they made the playoffs but they right. weren't going to actually win anything. He went all in. He put all of his poker chips down and went all in um, to uh, turn a competitive playoff roster into a championship roster. And it's uh, obviously it was a masterstroke because he's got a championship ring today. Be honest. A year ago, did you think this team was like <laughs> could win a championship? This Raptors team before the Kawhi trade. Did you think there was before any, the Kawhi trade? Before the Kawhi oh. trade, did you think there was any path? That they could be one year away from a title. Well, a uh, couple things. As long as LeBron was in the East, the answer was no. Yeah. 
Um, but I thought that uh, like this year's Sixers team and this year's Milwaukee Bucks team, well, were probably better than a non-Kawhi Raptors team to me because if you I look at if you look at the history of all the teams that have either won an NBA championship or played in the NBA championship, with really the only exception being the 2004-2005 Detroit Pistons. They don't have all-stars on their team. They have superstars yeah. on their team. Superstars. And DeMar DeRozan just isn't a superstar. Right. He's an Olympian. He's a, a pretty all-star. He's a star. He's yeah. a star. He's not a superstar. Just like, look at this year's Spurs team. LaMarcus right. Aldridge. He's not a superstar. The the young Nuggets went toe-to-toe with LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan. Right. And those were not the... the Jokic was the best player on the court in the series. Right. So Whereas not Ka- a superstar. Kawhi right? Leonard yeah. is... A top five player. I mean, he's maybe top, number maybe one. top one. Right, yeah. right. Kawhi Leonard is 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 he yeah, right? He may be the best player in the NBA. It's wild. It I mean, he wild. was playing hurt in the finals. Oh, he it was, was. It was well known. He was playing hurt, and he just he's he, incredible. He's he, incredible. So so that's but you know, again, I've said this for years. When 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 casual Nuggets fans ask me, are we going to the finals this year? Unless Jokic is a superstar, there's a difference between superstar and all star. Brett Barrett used to call them mother effers. Okay, okay. unless he is a, a unless he's an, a, a mother effer caliber player, the Nuggets aren't going to the NBA Finals. You've got to have a superstar. I think Jokic is good enough. I, I honestly do. Like I think he's that guy, um, and will be that guy and continue to get better. I mean twenty. 25, 13, and eight in that second oh, yeah. round of the no. playoffs. Like so, I think. Um, and we should have won the second round of the playoffs. But you got I, Denver just has to build around the edges. I think you know a small forward, for example, would be nice. Michael um, Porter Jr. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe. I just still don't. Know. We're only this Michael Porter Jr. thing has been a year of of every time I'm asked about him, I'm just like, I don't know, guys. Yeah, like, know. what do you mean? I I look at footage on YouTube. That's all I have to go off of. So I'm very excited that three weeks from now, I will I will finally have something concrete to be like, oh, I I saw him play against NBA guys. Um, yeah, so I didn't see this team this team winning a championship this year. I didn't see them winning it even coming into the playoffs. I really liked Toronto. I think I might have even picked them, but it was like a pick as in like I don't know who else to pick in the East. Um, but that's what I love about this. The Warriors and and Cavs gave the sense of inevitability over the last few years. But the Mavericks we didn't see winning the title. The Warriors the first year we didn't see winning the title. If you remember, Ethan Strauss over at ESPN was one of like 30 people to, to make predictions for who would win. He was the only one to pick the Warriors that year. So it does give you a little bit of hope that the league, you don't always know going into it when a juggernaut is about to emerge. No, that's a great point. I'm, I'm really glad you said that. Um, you know, I mean, I think that when the Warriors beat the Nuggets, we certainly thought they were on their ascension, but I think we thought the Spurs would kind of dominate yeah. the West for a few more seasons there. Um, this, uh, but this Raptors team, I, this Raptors team is the most, well, Zach Lowe wrote a good, good column on this. This Raptors team is the most akin to, I think, the 2011 Mavericks. Um, or like the 83, this is way long time ago, but like, <laughs> like the 1983 Philadelphia, Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, Julius Irving's Sixers got to a couple finals. They couldn't win. Yeah. They had to bring in Moses Malone from Houston to get him over the top. That's kind of like Messiah bringing right. Kawhi Leonard, uh, a bruising tough guy, MVP caliber player to, to win. And uh, um, I just love when, and I know you love this, I love when the model is broken. I love yeah. when... There's just a different way to do things. And I remember um, coming into the playoffs, some people thought, well, this Raptors team, you know, they're inexperienced. And I thought, no, they're not. Kawhi Leonard's been to two NBA finals and won an MVP, uh, NBA championship MVP. 
Marcus Gasol has right. played in some big games. Yep. I mean, Marcus Gasol upset the Spurs as an eight seed right. in Memphis, right. um, and has been to a conference finals. And Kyle Lowry, even though the Raptors have struggled in the playoffs, he's, he's been, been to there. a conference he's finals. Ibaka, too. Ibaka's been to an NBA Finals. Right. So they had these guys that maybe they didn't do it together, if that you want to call that an experience, sure. Right. But these guys were tough guys that have been there. I don't think the Warriors scared them, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and that worked out great. Well, you mentioned a Zach Lowe column, and last night he talked about the the big storyline. I think maybe one of the bigger takeaways is the Raptors went all in yeah. on this one year, and maybe that changes things for the NBA. So let's take a break. When we get back, we're going to talk about how much that's changed for the NBA and how much that maybe changes things for the Denver Nuggets. We'll be right back. All right, back here with Andy Feinstein for the Big Stiff Summit, and (laughs) we're branding it. We're creating a brand here. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So um, we got to get Doug Moe on it, then we'll have have the the real Big Stiff. Um, All right, so... The Raptors went all in on Kawhi Leonard, and they were in, let me preface it by saying, they were in a different position than the Nuggets. They had run their course. Their quote-unquote young core grew into an old core, and then it never got over the hump. So going all in was a lot easier. That being said, Paul George, the Thunder took a flyer on him. He's now made a home in Oklahoma City. Uh, the Raptors took a flyer on Kawhi Leonard. He, who knows, maybe he'll make a home there. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. They I actually think he will, and I, I can talk about yeah, that in a moment. Me, but yeah, um, no, go ahead. Go me, ahead. No, I want to hear. I want, we'll go there because I want to hear that. That well, changes the discussion a little. Yeah, bit. well, you know, so Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, obviously there's a lot of scuttlebutt that he wants to go to Los Angeles because he's from Southern California. Uh, but uh, what's not being talked about is, you know, not only can the Raptors offer him that fifth year. Uh, right, because the, the, the LA teams can only offer him four years. That fifth year is worth a lot of money, and there's a different tax structure in Canada versus California. If you're okay. a celebrity, there, there, there's like a different. If you're as long as you're a non-resident, but you're a performer, there's a different tax structure. So I don't know what the exact dollar amount is, but it could be in like the 50, 60, 70 million dollar range. That's a big number yeah. in terms of what the Raptors can pay Kawhi versus what an LA team can pay him. And of course, California has very onerous. Uh, income tax laws. So I just think that that's an underrated part of the story. I think winning a championship uh, certainly cements somebody wanting to be somewhere. How and do you also, walk away from that? Well, and then look at Paul George. Paul George didn't go back to Southern California. Going home is not a positive. Well, I mean, Reggie Miller is a Southern California guy. He played professionally for the Indiana Pacers for 20 years. Yeah. He lived in LA. Right. But for eight months a year, he played professionally for the Indiana Pacers because. If you're from Southern California, it comes with a lot of distractions and a lot of complications. You get all your friends and all your cousins and yeah. everybody wants free tickets to this and they're dragging you into dinners. And yeah. if you want to just go about your business as a professional athlete and get stuff done and win championships, I don't think going home is a positive. And I'm I am cautiously optimistic that Kawhi is going to go in that direction. I wonder if, to, if Kawhi can – because the rumor was that he wanted to be at the Clippers – and I don't. First of all, I don't know if the Clippers brand will ever be sh- that strong. I think it can get a lot stronger. They have a great ownership in play. They have they have a lot of good things in place, but it's hard to build a brand. It takes decades. I don't know that he can be the king of L.A. He can be the king of Toronto, and then by extension, the king of Canada. He kind of already is. He delivered on this what they've been wanting for so long, and you stay there and you keep the Raptors. They're they're no longer a punchline. But if you stay there and you're a contender for the next four or five years, I mean. 
you never buy a dinner again in Toronto. Wow. I don't know how much that means to him, but you know, it's a great city. And did you watch his NBA TV interview last night by chance? I, d- I watched a bunch so of I don't NBA know TV after these guys do the pressers that they show on ESPN and the NBA.com stuff. They they so Grand Hill, Isaiah Thomas, Kevin McHale, and a host whose name I forget. They do like a round table on the court, and they grab all the players. Masai did, did an interview last night, and Kyle Lowry did one, and Kawhi did one. And if you watch Kawhi's interview, and he's talking to Kevin McHale, and he's holding his MVP trophy, and Kevin McHale said, look, we're proud of you as NBA brethren yeah. that you pulled this off a year after being hurt. He's like, what was your motivation? And Kawhi said something I've never heard him say. He said, I want to be known as one of the top two or three best players in the NBA. And I knew if I had come back earlier... I would have slipped down to seven or eight. And I don't want to be the seventh or eighth. I want to be the best. That's interesting. And when I heard him say that, it made me think there's no chance he goes to the Lakers because why would he want to play with LeBron? Right. He LeBron clearly wants get the to credit, be, no matter for what whatever happens. reason, he's a very humble guy. He wants to be the best at his craft. And which is which is the spirit of sports, by the way. Sure. This is the thing about Durant that bugs me so much. Kawhi wants to be pushed to be his best. and. KD, I think there's at least a little part of him that didn't. And I'm, and, I, and also, if you notice in this finals, like even though Kyle Lowry was the MVP of Game Six, you know Kawhi took all the shots down yeah. the stretch, and no one cares. They defer to him. He's really like the MJ of the Raptors. And I don't know that there's no chance that happens in Los Angeles. And I'm not sure that happens in Los Angeles. With the, I'm sorry, with the Lakers. And I'm not sure that happens with the Clippers. Who um, else is in the Clippers? I mean, well, I understand that he could be the man yeah. in, with the Clippers, but is he going? I mean, but Doc Rivers is like a megawatt star there. I think that the star revolves around mm. Kawhi in Toronto, and I'm optimistic between the money and the distractions at home, and the wanting to be the best player and wanting to win and achieve. I think Toronto is the best place for him. It's interesting to me because Kawhi's personality—he's clearly robotic and he's clearly somewhat boring, <laughs> maybe extremely boring. But I feel like we've gotten to know him more in Toronto than we did in San Antonio sure. over all those years. It's kind of—I've kind of enjoyed—he's not interesting, but he's kind of interesting in his boringness. Well, he made a, again. He made a comment about that how in San Antonio he wasn't the best player. He was like ah. third. He, sorry, I meant to—he was like third or fourth. Yeah. What he's referring to is. You had Duncan, you had Parker, and you had Ginobili, and maybe those guys were he was getting the long best, in the but, tooth. But yeah. but I think there was a I think that had a lot to do with whatever this weird thing happened with Popovich. And he did give Popovich a compliment last night. But yeah. whatever happened with Popovich, I don't think he likes being number four. Yeah. And even if you're on the Clippers, LeBron is number one in your market. And I just think there's something there. And by the way, seventy million dollars used to be a lot of money, so <laughs> I would think that you know you'd want to grab a hold of that. Yeah. Um. All right. So. What was our original question before we got off? Yeah, we got off. Oh, of, no, we were talking about. Um, we were talking about. Uh, oh, going all in. Teams going, going all in. Teams yeah. going all in. So the Raptors win all in, and let's just assume that he is gone because I think there's a still at least a real chance of that, or or that this team just doesn't. You know, Marcus gone? Sorry, Kawhi. Oh. and then you know, like Marcus Saul. There's a lot of there's a lot of question marks around that team. They might not be a contender next year just because they would have to like rebuild some parts of this team. So. Nonetheless, they went all in for one chance at it. Now, does that change? Do you think the league sort of... There's a lot of teams that have survived for years and years on the promise of their young cores. And, oh, in two or three years from now, we're going to be good. And I would say four out of five times, the young cores end up becoming okay teams that break up before they ever really reach the pinnacle. Sure. Do you think this changes the equation at all? Well, let's talk about that briefly. So one one um, t- 
team that Zach Lowe compared to this Raptors team was the 2011 Mavericks, who kind of went all in for that season, right? I mean, they brought in, then they bring in like Tyson Chandler. Um, I guess they may have already had Jason Kidd, but they kind of went all in. They're like, you know what? Dirk's not getting any younger. We're going to spend a ton of money. We're going to go for it. They went for it, and then they basically never came back. I mean, right. I'm looking at uh, at what they did the next season. They lost in the first round. It was a lockout season. They made a few bad um, decisions, though. That that They didn't have to be done after that. I, they probably wouldn't have been a contender or like a dynasty, but they didn't have to fall as far well, fair as Fair enough, fair enough. But I think that, uh, what this whole question brings to mind an old Bill Simmons quote. Which is that when you win a championship, you get five years. There's a Yiddish word called Rachmanis, which is leniency. Okay. You get five years of leniency from your fans. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, as a Nuggets fan, let me, let me flip the question back to you. As a Nuggets fan, would you go all in for a one-year rental on Anthony Davis for a ring, knowing there's a damn good chance he leaves afterwards? For Anthony Davis, I don't think I would. And it has more to do with just, I don't know that it's a perfect fit. I think there's a scenario that it is, and it's... But how many teams now have their two best players as their power forward and center? And when was the last time a team won having a power forward and center as your best? That's that's the only reason. But if Anthony Davis was a small forward version of Anthony Davis, like a Giannis or something like that, I would say, of course. Like, trade the farm because a lot of times in the NBA you get two guys. You get your two guys and the other pieces are interchangeable more than we want to admit. And your Gary Harris, as much as I love the guy... There's another Gary Harris out there somewhere that looks like Gary Harris when you plug him into that team. So I, I don't know that I would do it for Anthony Davis, but I do think there's – I'm not convinced this Nuggets team is a championship in the make, championship team in the making as is. They have the pieces to become that. But So for me, I, I would. Well, I think that the NBA is a copycat league, right? And look at Nick Nurse just won an NBA championship. I mean, just the, <laughs> the, those old coaches don't get retreaded as much, retreaded yeah. as much anymore. It's a new ideas up, league. It's a new ideas league. You brought up a great point in our last podcast about look at Carmelo Anthony. He doesn't have a job. Yeah. Ten years ago, Carmelo Anthony would have been on you name it. He would yeah. have been on anybody else's roster. So it's a copycat league, and someone's going to copy this. Uh, Masai Ujiri, Raptors model, and they're going to go all in on a rental, and maybe it is for Anthony Davis. Um, well, let's talk about him in particular. Do you think, so right now, Anthony Davis has made it clear, I'm going to the Knicks for whatever reason, who knows what the motivation is, or the Lakers, and nobody else will I resign. Now, maybe that's posturing. I don't think it is in this case. I actually think he is serious about wanting to end up in L.A. one way or the other. But do you think a team like a Portland or a Denver or just any other team, maybe a Houston, says, screw it, we'll go for one year? By the way, real quick on Anthony Davis, I'm looking at his salary structure. Did I miss something here? I mean, it wasn't like he was a free agent this summer. First of all, <laughs> he's not a free agent this summer. And even next summer, it's up to him if he wants right. to be a free. He's technically got a contract for two more years. Like, since when do players, other than maybe Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1971 when he hijacked the Milwaukee Bucks, like, since when do you guys get to hijack the their teams thing. two years before their contract is up? It's the new um, thing, man. That's well, how you use your leverage, I I, guess, whether you like it or not. That, like at least in the Carmelo situation, at least in that situation, his free agency was looming. I mean, but, something was going to happen three well, months it, later yeah. had Masai not traded him. So, with, uh, with, But I think Carmelo sort of changed things in, in a way because the deal Carmelo got, he went to New York and they emptied the cupboard. And I think that changed things because now players are like, I want to have my cake and eat it too. Anthony Davis wants to be in L.A. and he wants to have a good team when he gets there. Of course he does. Yeah. <laughs> Don't we all want to have our cake and eat it too in life? But uh, back to the, the question at hand is, uh, will this rep be replicated? Um, and you're right, Masai, Masai did a great him. job. But I forgot about your Paul, your Paul George analogy is a good one. I mean, the Thunder really gambled to get Paul George. 
Um, and it's one thing, by the way, to get take a kid from L.A. and have him play in Oklahoma City. Right. I mean, at least Toronto's a <laughs> yeah. world-class international metropolis. I mean, Toronto's one of the biggest cities in all of North America. You cannot say that about Oklahoma City. <laughs> and, and, and good for Paul George. And Paul George has to defer to a guy named Russell Westbrook, whereas Kawhi defers to no one. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I actually, I'm hopeful. I think it's good for the league. I don't, you, you asked, when since when do players do this? Something has to happen for players to not do it. And the Paul George trade, I think, helped. The Kawhi Leonard trade, I think, helped. You get the Anthony Davis one where it's like, no, three of the biggest stars in the league in back-to-back-to-back years demanded they go to L.A. Right. And none of them ended up yeah. there. And by the way, two of them are happy. I know. Kawhi Leonard's happy. Paul George is happy. If it thir- happens a third time, I do think it would go a long way to sort of changing the league and maybe diminishing some of that what I would call an abuse of power from the players. I, I like agree. players having power. I think they abuse it in these situations. Well, I agree with you. And is LeBron even that happy? I mean, what a miserable <laughs> season they had, right? Just right. miserable. Yeah. Um, just miserable. So anyway, uh, it, we'll see what we'll see what Tim Connolly and the Nuggets do. But um, uh, you know, let me uh, let me. Do you think I, that- by the way, I agree with you. I I think Anthony Davis and and. Uh, Jokic together is an odd fit. I mean, Kawhi it Leonard. It could be great. Kawhi Leonard. I mean, Masai. The one mistake Masai made in Toronto was giving Damari Carroll a ton of money. Yeah, and that was his three. So, yeah. in, former Nugget, by the way. Yeah. So when Damari Carroll moved on, they had a gap there at the three, and Kawhi just fits it perfectly. Yeah, I, yeah. And they, they even had OG and Anobi that didn't even play. Yeah, and that team. He really did a good job yeah. of building that team. <laughs> Eleven deep of like useful, useful players. Uh, what about the Nuggets? Do you? In your heart, do you feel one like the Nuggets have? I mean, I guess we don't know what Michael Porter Jr. is, but do you feel like the Nuggets have what it takes that this group is going to become a contender? And then part two, do you think the Nuggets are at a point where they have to decide, answer that question? Well, first of all, the Nuggets are a contender, I think. Um, They they should have been in the conference finals. I mean, you are what your record says you are. They didn't make it, but they should have been. Okay, I think they already are a contender, and for another reason. Uh, the Warriors have no Clay Thompson and no Kevin Durant next season. Yeah, whether they sign them or not is immaterial. They don't have them. They are both broken for an entire year, which I think is unfortunate for those two young men. So this is the Nuggets' window. This is really their window, if you think about it. I mean, the the Warriors expose just how thin the Blazers are. Now maybe if Nurkic comes back, they're more formidable. But uh, no one in the West really scares me. I don't know about you. Maybe, and I think the Rockets are, have turned out to just be a bunch of whiny rollover saps. Well, I think it's um, funny that the Rockets publicly declared they want to shake things up right, right, right before Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson right. get hurt. Now they might look at it and go, <laughs> I don't know, maybe just run it back. Right. So I'm just saying, that to me, the Nuggets are contenders-ish. Um, sorry, read out your question, though. Your question is, is do, do, the do Nugget- they need to make a decision now? Like, a lot of times when you have a team like Denver, you think like, okay, well, let's wait and see what we have. And by the time you know what you have, it's too late. Like, oh, now we can't trade so and so. I think you get one more year of that. Okay. I think I guess get one more year of that. I think you could take this roster and just roll them back out there. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. Um, we're praying. We're praying. I mean, <laughs> you know, hey, look, there's a lot of luck involved oh, yeah. in winning championships. We saw it with, with what the Raptors just went through. Luck could be as simple as Fred Van Vliet, who wasn't even drafted. Yeah outplaying Steph Curry in an NBA Finals. I mean, that could be luck. But in the Nuggets' case, they need to be a little lucky. I mean, Michael Porter Jr. has to become the second coming of, I don't know, McDyess or LaFonso or something because <laughs> because if that doesn't happen, then we have to do exactly what you just said. Yeah. 
I, it really is funny, but I do think a lot of this does kind of swing on Michael Porter Jr. And I put him out of my head. Like I, I haven't talked about him on the show, and people get frustrated with me sometimes. I'm like, why do? It's February. Why are we going to talk about yeah. Michael Porter well, Jr., guys? Now's the time, though, because we're a couple weeks away. And but that's that's the whole that's my whole point. Like like Draymond Green was the 35th pick in the mm-hmm. draft. Manu Ginobili was I don't, I don't 47th remember. maybe. I yeah, 47. Tony Parker was 30th, I think. I mean. When you wait, unless you're the Lakers or you're the Cavs who got LeBron with the very, very first pick in the draft, like you have to, <laughs> you have to steal guys somehow. The Lakers know? might end up with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, the two of the top six players in the NBA, and they've done nothing right for six years. It's just, it's ridiculous. I know, but that's the, I way know. The world but that's the whole point. So if you're Denver or you know, we look at Golden State now as like this hot market, San Francisco, Silicon Valley, people want to be there. Boogie Cousins will take a discount to be there. David West will take a discount to be there. Andrew Bogan will take a discount. Like, everybody wants to gravy train on that. You know, Kevin Durant will throw his legacy in the garbage to go get it, to go play with the Warriors. That, that was not the Warriors six years ago. Six years ago, they were a moribund garbage franchise yeah. that finally, through some patience and some luck, built their team back up through the draft. And I think that with the exception of New York and L.A., maybe Miami – Every other team in the NBA, you got to build it through the draft, and uh, the Nuggets are doing that. Another thing changed for the Warriors, and that is ownership, which I think probably not coincidental that this turnaround happened. If you remember, Joe Lake was booed off of the floor because he had traded Monte Ellis. Monte Ellis booed off of the floor. Little did they know he'd actually just built a dynasty. Well, the buck stops at the top. Yeah, the buck stops at the top, and there's a reason why. Um, there's a reason why the Knicks are garbage, and they have the most dysfunctional ownership in the NBA. Second, maybe either ahead of yeah. or second to the Lakers. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that the NBA's two two of the NBA's what you call it, what about three glamour franchises, sure. with the Celtics being the third. Um, the Celtics aren't in that category though. Have so much dysfunction, mm-hmm. um, and the Celtics have new owners as of a couple years ago. It was the Celtics' new owners, I believe, that Danny Ainge had to convince to do the big three because <laughs> it was going to cost so much money. God, can you believe it's ten years already? Yeah, that was actually eleven years ago, twelve years yeah. ago. But um, if you look at well, the best owners, including Larry Tannenbaum in Toronto, they give their team presidents, whether it's Danny Ainge in Boston or Masai Ujiri in Toronto, full autonomy. To make decisions. You, you joked about the players making, like, why 70 million used to be a lot. It's the same for, for franchises. I mean, these things go up in value a couple hundred million every couple of years. I, I mean, it's just, at, at some point, this is a, um, like, owning a sports car or a, a prize horse or something. It's, a, it's no longer about the value of the franchise. This is a thing you own because, presumably... Because you can. You, you can. <laughs> you love the city that you own it in, and you kind of want to be a part of, of an NBA team. At least I would hope. Well, I think that there's. Um, uh, it, it, I mean, I guess they make financial sense because they appreciate in value. My understanding is a lot of small market NBA teams, like the Nuggets, used to lose money. Used right. to lose a little bit of money. They justified it by the appreciation in value. This all changed with the new TV deal. The new national TV deal was so juicy, and the luxury cap penalties were so onerous that the small market teams are all profitable. Right. They're all doing just fine. <laughs> um, and I think that um, I always said growing up that I wanted an owner who treated the Nuggets like a toy. And he or she wants their toy to be better than the next person's toy. You don't want an owner who worries about dollars and cents. Donald Sterling of the Clippers was the most profitable owner right, in the right. NBA for years. But he yeah. had a garbage product on the floor. 
Um, and so how's he remembered? Exactly. <laughs> so you want an owner. You want an owner who who wants to win fiercely, fiercely wants to win. I believe most owners do, but you also want an owner who's willing to do whatever it takes to win. Yeah. Because they don't they don't give a crap about you, you want a couple that- bucks here or there for the scout or the trainer or the t-shirts they give you when you walk into the game, you know? They just don't care. Or don't give you. Um, yes. <laughs> but you also, I think, you you want an owner that defines winning as winning, is competitive and winning in that arena. Winning winning games. And it takes pride in that. And and I think you, you can tell the ones that are and the ones that aren't. But let's take a break because I want to talk a little bit more about ownership in light of the Pat Bullen news. And then also... Because Toronto has a unique fan base, and I think they lead a nice discussion between an owner's sort of responsibility to the city in which they, okay. they are owning it. Yeah. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. All right, back here with Andy Feinstein for a weekend summit, the Big Stiff Summit, and... Did you see the video last night on YouTube, Andy? Somebody took a video from the 37th floor of an apartment building, yep. and the window open, and the entire city is screaming and honking their horns. The entire city. So remember, I went to Toronto for game one. Yeah, I wanted to support my friend Masai, so yeah. I went to game one. Um, and I, I just like to experience these things. So I walked around the arena five hours before tip-off, maybe, and there were folks lined up in every which direction for Jurassic Park, which they show you on TV. What they don't show you on TV is there are two other Jurassic Parks that go another yeah, two blocks right. deep. Yeah. And apparently, just to get into Jurassic Park, just to sit outside, these guys have been waiting outside all day. Yeah. By the time they got to game five, they'd been camping out for two days right. to get into Jurassic Park. Um, and give them a side credit, he actually went to Jurassic Park the night before game five and mingled with the fans, just like he used to come to our stiffs night outs to mingle right, with the fans. Yeah. Messiah is very attentive to the fan. I think Tim Conley's this way too. Oh, Tim's awesome. Tim yeah. is awesome. But think about it, other than Messiah and Tim Conley, how many GMs not many. or presidents of teams go and interact with their fans? So Toronto. Not many would even think to do it or be comfortable in that situation. Toronto's uh, fan base is incredible. There's been a lot written about this this last two weeks in the New York Times. So, again, Toronto to me is the most underrated city in North America. Mm-hmm. It's a fabulous city. It's a it's a diverse and modern metropolis. I think other than um, if you count Mexico City as North America. So other than Mexico City, um New York and L.A. and maybe like Dallas, I think Toronto or Chicago, sorry, than Dallas. Toronto is like the fifth or sixth largest mm-hmm. market in the entire North America. It's a right. huge city. Canada, unlike our stupid country, has a very positive pro-immigration policy. And right. they've invited the best and the brightest from all over the world, including a lot of folks who need political asylum from some tough countries, into their borders for the last 20, 30 years. Well, the Raptors are 24 years old. Mm. So this fan base, Toronto is 49% as a metropolitan area, 49% is non-white. And they have this huge Caribbean population. They have a huge Asian population. They have a huge Middle Eastern population. If you remember President Trudeau welcomed a bunch of Syrian refugees a few years ago. So Toronto has this incredibly diverse um, population that doesn't give a shit about hockey can't afford to play hockey, doesn't <laughs> right. want to play hockey. And they're Raptors fans. They're basketball fans. Yeah. And so th- th- I, I can't imagine another situation in any other NBA city where the team and its core fan base are so directly connected because the NBA, to me, embodies the best of globalism. 
you know, the NBA is yeah, what, 20, like 30% this. international right. now? And of course, Masai. Maybe more. And look at Masai. Masai was born in England. Yeah. He's half Nigerian. He's half Kenyan. His staff in Toronto is a mix of people from all over the world. Some are from Africa. Some are from Europe. And Masai just doesn't care where you're from. He cares about what you can do. Right. And that's just, that's who he is. As That's the character of the man. Um Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so my point is that this team and its ownership and its fan base are so perfectly well connected harmoniously, and that's why you can see from the 37th floor of an apartment building, this city is just erupting. And also, I don't know what it is about Canada, and this is a positive stereotype. Canadians are just exceptionally nice people, <laughs> and it's just a nice place. Toronto's a nice place. It's it, it is. They've got good governance. They've got good roads. They've got good public transportation. They got good public schools. They got good pension system. You know, un, not unlike Australia, where my wife is from, you're talking about a country with 35, 36 million people, but vast resources. It's a very well-managed country. So it's just a happy place. Yeah. And that's why I'm just thrilled for this Raptors team. Because I'm thrilled for I'm thrilled for Toronto because it's just a wonderful city and they deserve it. And I don't want to draw the comparison between Toronto and Denver, but I think a lot of people view Denver, it has its own problems, but Denver's a nice city as well. And it, I have a lot of pride in this city. It's... There's a there's a lot of things. There's a reason a lot of people are moving here, um, but the fan base and the interaction with their sports teams. With we see that with the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos are in the playoffs. The entire city's orange. But can the Nuggets replicate? What is it going to take for the Nuggets sure. to sort of? It, it feels almost insurmountable when you see Nuggets games with people not there in a playoff game at the start at tip off, and then you see three Jurassic Parks full a day early. Oh. Well, first of all, one quick side note. Did you notice at the end of Game 4 in Oakland, the fans were leaving early? Oh, of course. And I'm thinking, but we know who those fans but are. But the, the Warriors fan base has changed because oh, they've yeah. priced out the Royal crowd and they've brought in these Silicon Valley, right. you know, high-flying hedge fund tech guys who right. don't know what the hell a basketball game is. But anyway, uh, here the Nuggets need to change the geography around their stadium. If you go to Toronto, yeah, that's a big part of if you it. go to Toronto, the stadium, the arena is ensconced by the city. So you've got hotels, you've restaurants, you have retail. It's all surrounding the arena. You can't just like it's not sitting in the middle of a parking lot like the Pepsi Center is. So the first thing the Nuggets need to do, and they do have a master plan for it that uh, a colleague of mine is working on that I think is fabulous. They've got to build around the Pepsi Center. Number one, you got to make the Pepsi Center like a destination where there's stuff going on around it that's not just. Yeah, it's lot. weird. You would never go to Pepsi. So when it's a parking lot, <laughs> you can't wait to get the hell out of there because it's a pain in the ass to get yeah. your car and get out of there. Wouldn't you rather, when the game is over, walk to your apartment, yeah. <laughs> walk to your office, walk to your hotel room? Right. And once you make it a walkable environment, that fosters an energy that Denver just does not have. They've got to figure that out. Right. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two, you made some really good points, I thought, throughout this season that this Nuggets team, because it's kind of a collection of nobodies from everywhere, that it really connected with Denver because sure. Denver's become this millennial destination and we're a bunch of nobodies right. from everywhere. I mean, not everyone's a native like you and me. So uh, I do think the Nuggets have a special connection there. But I'm telling you, this this immigrant population connection to the Raptors is unique. There's just no other city like it. Um, and uh, you know, one of my closest colleagues that I work with in my own organization, he's uh, half Palestinian, half Lebanese, and he's from Toronto. He grew up rooting for the Raptors. And we just don't quite have that here in Denver. We yeah. just don't. I think, I, I think it seems insurmountable to make what Toronto has. Like you mentioned, it's a bigger city, and they do have some built-in advantages. Um, but nonetheless, I do think that Denver, there's no reason the Denver Nuggets are not, 
significantly more popular in three years from now than what they are right now. I just it's it's such a prime setup for them to really explode in popularity and to ingrain themselves in the city. And well, the reason I brought up that moment with them with that the thirty seventh floor and everything like that to me that's what sports are all about. Sports are all about. I've talked about this on the show a fair amount of times, but. Sports are one of the last places where entire city agrees about something. Think about it. The city doesn't agree on anything at this point. It's funny. Uh, I, we just had a very contentious mayor's race in Denver, yeah. and as I'm sure our yeah. listeners and readers know, I'm very close to Mayor Hancock. He's a huge Nuggets fan. I actually took him to Game Seven against the Spurs, and we got to celebrate together, which was fun. I told the mayor, I said, "You should run as your TV ad for this entire election, the Broncos Parade." When you were on the when you were on the fire truck, when you were giving the speech at Civic Center Park, like it's the thing everybody agrees. It's about. one thing everyone agreed on, and you're a genuine like Denver sports fan. You're because you're from here, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, I, I agree with you. Sports is the one thing that galvanizes a community. That's why I think it's heartbreaking when a team leaves. Um, there's yeah. been a lot written about the Warriors moving to San Francisco, right? And how that's going to chisel away at the soul of Oakland a little yeah, bit, um, sure. even though they are technically a Bay Area team, right? They're leaving the uh, doldrums of Oakland for the shiny, beautiful right. San Francisco. Even though I think the whole Bay Area is a shithole, but that's a conversation <laughs> we can have a different time. Um, so I think the Nuggets, while they can't replicate the fan fandom that we saw in Toronto, um, absolutely they're going to be more. They could could be more popular in a couple years, as you just said, than they are today. Also, you know what the Raptors proved to us? You can have a silly logo and a silly name and win a championship. <laughs> I mean, right. yeah. the team was literally named after Jurassic, um, Jurassic Park. Park, the movie. Which I think is actually pretty awesome. It's, I remember, it's like the Nuggets. It's, it's dorky awesome yeah. now. Because I remember, uh, I think this was uh, uh, Uncle Marty, the Nuggets curmudgeon, my, my uh, dearly departed uh, business partner, best friend, and mentor. He used to say, no team named the Nuggets is winning a championship. Um, so, I love it. I'm, I, I don't know if I'm just too in the weeds on this, but I, if they change the name, I'd be heartbroken. They absolutely better not. They ever better change never it. change it. We'll chain ourselves to the building. And I think you know Tim Lewecki, who used to run the Nuggets, who then ran uh, Anschutz Entertainment Group, who then went to Toronto to run Maple Leaf Sports and stole Masai from the Nuggets. I know Tim Lewecki was a branding guy, and he really looked into changing the Raptors' name. Yeah, and they were there was some scuttlebutt that they may go back to the Huskies, which was their name in the late '40s when Toronto had an NBA team briefly. Um, but I think when they when they dug into it, just like you and I have this connection to the silly name, the Nuggets, those Raptors fans for the last twenty plus years are connected to the Raptors. Yeah. Well, well I want to end it by with this because I'm really curious. I don't I don't really know feel like I know what the Cronkies are about to be honest just yet. I mean, they've only owned the team for how many years now? Twelve? No, it's uh, been almost twenty. To almost twenty. They bought the team, and uh, we need Jeff Morton. He's yes. the historian. I think they. I could have sworn they bought the team either just as or just after Pepsi Center opened. So I think it's been almost twenty okay. years. Call it call it seventeen, eighteen years to be safe. And Josh Kroenke, who you know, I've gotten to know a little bit. I really enjoy him. I really think he's a very personable guy. Uh, you know, there's. Smart, you make a lot of money if you're really smart. And obviously, Stan Kroenke's a very smart guy because he's made a lot of money and made a lot of great deals. What he did with the Rams and, and just outfoxing everybody in the NFL. There, he's, he's a smart guy. You have to be a genius to do that and to also build up the team and to build up that brand and, and also ha- have the desire to do it. And they own a television station. They own a radio station in Denver. They own the media market. They own a bunch of real estate. To me, they have all of the cards to build the Nuggets into the coolest thing going on in Denver and something, as we talked about, that galvanizes it. And I'm bringing this up in, in 
the shadow of Pat Bowen passing away last night. Sure. And it's kind of interesting seeing how many people, um, everybody in the Denver media market, all Denver sports fans, are actually legitimately sad by this moment and by his passing. And um, whatever your thoughts are about him, he he was a guy that I think everybody in the city knows, respects, likes, whatever, whether you met him or not. And I wonder, do the Cronkies look at that and want that? And I hope they do, because they have an opportunity to do that and to be those and to be that guy that isn't thought of as just the owner of a team, but a part of a city. So, yeah, let's talk about it. So, first of all, Pat Bullen's legacy. I mean, I'm 43 years old. He bought the team, I think, in 1984, 1985. Um, the Broncos have won 60% of all of their <laughs> games since that, since 1984. So we're talking 35 years of exceptional excellence, really. Other than the, uh, I think only the New England Patriots and the Steelers have won more games than the Broncos in that 35-year the class, span. The class so you think the about NFL. 32 NFL teams and the Broncos are third in by, wins. By the way, that's my lifetime. Like, that's how right, old I am. Right. So the, the, my entire life, this is what and, I've known. Uh, and the Broncos have been to seven Super Bowls and won three on Bullen's watch. Right. So that's just an astounding, just in terms of the numbers. And by the way, astounding. the first one is an iconic Denver moment. Not, forget Denver oh. sports. It's an iconic Denver moment. Oh, for sure. Also, uh, I don't know if this came from, I assume it came from Pat Bullen because, again, the buck stops at the top. But I think that the Broncos have been very community-oriented and very public about being community-oriented. Right. Having players in school, now they have a lot more players, but having players in schools, having retired legends like John Elway, Terrell Davis, Rod Smith, Ed McCaffrey, stay, Grandy Gratishar, uh, they stay here. They stay in, Carl Mecklenburg's still here. You know, they live in, even Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning loves Denver. He's raising his children right. in Denver. Yeah. So the Broncos just have a really deep connection to Denver, and I think they came from Pat Bowen and, and give them credit, and it's certainly sad for the Bowen family that he has passed on. Um, I think that the Cronkies are a little different. Now, you got to remember, the Broncos was all Pat Bowen had. He was, right. a, he was yeah. a moderately successful oil guy. Right. I, had no, I have no idea how he put the money together. He's Canadian. <laughs> he somehow buys the Broncos for $75, 78000000 million, bucks, and... That was his full-time job was the Broncos. Right, That's all right. Pat Bowen is is the Broncos. Kind of like Jerry Jones. All sure. he does is the Cowboys. Well, Stan Kroenke's got his hands in a few more pots. <laughs> you know, He owns the Rams. He owns the Nuggets. He owns the Rapids. He owns the Avalanche. He owns the Arsenal. Yeah. Um, he owns real estate all over the world. He owns right. apartments all over the world. I mean, Stan Kroenke just has ranches and cow ranches right. and vineyards. and So Stan Kroenke just has his hands in so many pots. So I don't think Denver's first and foremost in Stan Kroenke's life. And I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. Uh, Josh Kroenke is our age. He grew up in our generation. He loves the Nuggets. He loves basketball. All the cool stuff you've seen from the Nuggets this year came from Josh. Right. Now, that's a little bit of inside baseball, but the rainbow uniform, he's been pushing the rainbow right. uniform. Yeah. Josh Kroenke talked to the NBA about bringing back the 80s font on our uniforms, and the NBA turned him down. Right. Okay, so Josh Kroenke gets it. I just think that, like his dad, he's got so much going on. He's in L.A., he's in London, at board meetings. I don't think they're here, physically here, present. And so if I could give them one piece of advice, if they're not willing to hire me, they should hire you. <laughs> but I would just say, hire someone who really understands uh, the business of basketball and the sport of basketball and give them the autonomy to run the show. Right. Because that's what that's why the Raptors have been successful because when Masai went to Toronto, he told Larry Tannenbaum, I want to run the show. The whole show. And they said, okay. And that now you see what happens when someone is totally... Uh, I call it the what do you think about when you're in the shower in the morning employee, okay? Okay. What do you think about when you're in the shower? And you want to hire someone and they, all they're thinking about, about is your yeah. enterprise in right. the morning. Whereas yeah. uh, 
and this sounds a little weird, but like, I don't know, you know, if you're standard Josh Kroenke, when you wake up in the morning, which, which of your 80 endeavors are you thinking about? <laughs> right. You want someone who runs the entire show and that's all they do, but you got to give them autonomy. I, I look at the Nuggets and I I have two fears. One, that they'll never win a championship, which I think is likely. I mean, we both kind of agree that yeah. it's such an uphill battle. Half that, my life's over, yeah. so I don't know, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> that it's such an uphill battle, probably never. But you still, that's what sports are fun. If it was a guaranteed thing, we'd be Lakers fans. Hey, you know what? The Cubs won a World Series. Yeah. I never thought it would happen. The Raptors, Red Sox have won like St. Louis. four. The Red Sox hadn't won a World Series in 100 years. They've won four. The Raptors just won an NBA championship. The Royals won one. I mean, yeah. this is the, we're in the era yeah. of first right. for a bunch of these teams and markets. Um, but my other fear is that the Nuggets will win one and nobody will care. The parade will be like me and you and a couple other people. And, and I, it shouldn't be that way. I mean, I, uh, I see the growth and I see how many people are excited about it. And I hope that um, I hope that in the years to come, they've positioned themselves and done the things necessary to really take advantage of that. And that's that. And like I said, I'm not me saying this doesn't imply that they're not going to. Like I said, I think we're going to learn a lot about the ownership group over the next several years because they have this prime asset. I think Josh and Stan, and I know them both personally, they are exceptionally intelligent, thoughtful individuals. I, I'm a big fan of them personally. I regard them as friends. And they've been nothing but good to Denver Stiffs. And they've been nothing but good yeah. to me. Um, I just think they have a lot on their plate. I, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I have a lot on my plate. That's why I can't write Denver Stiffs anymore. But Denver Stiffs deserves you, <laughs> who does Denver Stiffs all the time. And the Nuggets deserve the Adamares. Of the Nuggets, who's that's all he or she does, and that's something that they need to come to grips with because you can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't uh, want to have your fingerprints on everything that you do, but not be available and present 100% of the time. You can't have it both ways, and that's a decision I think they need to think about. Well, the Raptors just did it. Like you just mentioned, a bunch of these teams are making it a first. Maybe the Nuggets, maybe this is the year. Monte Morris, <laughs> no sooner did the clock strike zero in the game last night, Monte Morris uh, promised everybody. Save this tweet. Something special is happening next year. So I like tweets like that. Anybody could send them. But you know what? Let's. It, it gets you hyped and gets you excited. Hey, you know what? If ever there was a time, I hate to be myopic, but LeBron James is hurt. The Lakers are garbage. Their organization's in disarray. The Warriors just lost two of their top three players for an entire year. The Blazers, I think, turned out to be not what we thought they were going to be. Um, the Thunder are perennial. And they have, and they have Nurkic out next the year. The Thunder too. are postseason chokers, and I'm repeating myself from earlier, and the Rockets are postseason whiners. If ever there was a time, if ever there was a time, 2019-2020, it could be the year for the Denver Nuggets. Thank you for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. 